Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome back to the Fantasy End Podcast. This week's topic is all about characters. So who are some of our favorite characters in speculative fiction? And more broadly, what is it that even makes a character memorable to us? Uh, and what the heck does character-driven mean anyways? Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Shania. I'm Sarah. And I'm Hugh. So to start things off, what is everyone reading? Or listening to, watching, playing... Uh, I am currently reading this weekend The Once and Future Witches by Alex Harrow. Uh, so it's a very Halloween-y read and very feminist and witchy, and I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I'm also listening to The Magnus Archives which by Jonathan Sims, which is a horror podcast, uh, which is completely out of character for me. Um, but I'm in season four, I think. I haven't finished season four yet, and it's very enjoyable. I'm listening to uh, The Boundless Sea by David Abolafia. It's a nonfiction book, which is about the history of humans with the oceans. And I think that I really enjoyed the beginning of it because it starts off with uh, talking about like Polynesian exploration and stuff like that. But at the moment, I'm at the whole like European colonialism part, and it's just grim and depressing. And you know, he 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 acknowledges that colonialism is bad and everything, but also I kind of want him to go even further. Um, so there, I feel like it's a bit weak, um, and it's 40 hours. Um, of, so I don't know if I recommend it, but um, maybe to have it as a as a as a thick tome line somewhere where you can skip through the chapters easily. Maybe that would be easier. I'm not really sure, but I'm almost finished, and I'm I'm excited to finally finish it. What about you, Hugh? Uh, the most recent book I read, I think it was about a week ago, was The Tyrant Baru by Seth Dickinson. Oh my God, you finished it. Yes, and that's why I've not read anything since. <laughs> <laughs> you just give yourself some time to recover. To be fair, this one, people say it's more hopeful than the books that came before. And I guess it is, but also the beginning is brutal. Oh my god. So the first 40% is as bad as Baru gets, and then it kind of calms down a bit, gets a bit happier, which is strange, but... Yeah, taking some time to process that one, and the rest of my time has just been playing games on the Switch, to be honest. I've picked up Hollow Knight by Team Cherry, which is obviously has quite a big following, and have been addicted to that logged something like 24 hours within the course of a week. It's insane. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you started leaving game reviews on the blog. It makes me want to get a Switch. Yeah, me too. But mostly because of Genia's uh, favorite game. <laughs> it's my second favorite game, Hades. <laughs> it's so good. Everybody should play it. I've been playing uh, Early Access since January or something. And now that it's finally out, version one, I am so excited about all of the fan art and all of the content. And everybody else is just as into it as I am. So I'm having a very good month in that sense. <laughs> Yo, Hades is incredible, man. I lost like days of my life to that. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I'm so happy. <laughs> You're such a hipster. I really am. I'm excited for everyone to get Extreme Measures 4. <laughs> what about you, Travis? Uh, at the moment, I'm currently reading To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paolini. Uh, and it is a chunk. It's like 850 pages or something like that. The audio is 32 and a half hours long. Uh, so I'm only like 12% in or something like that. But it's enjoyable so far. It's very different than uh, his Inheritance Cycle books. I, I'm reserving judgment until I get a little bit farther in, but we'll see how it goes. It's intriguing so far. I have to admit, that's the first time I've ever heard the word chonk said and not like, written down in a tweet. <laughs> really? Uh, apparently, apparently, a lot of people say chunk instead of chonk because I've been in conversations with people, I think in like actual author interviews, and I'm like, oops, I'm saying something apparently we only say on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why when I read it, I don't like 
read it in like a normal voice. Like it's not. Oh, that's a chunk. It's oh, it's a chunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's the more accurate way to say it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess actually getting into our topic for the week, uh, what is some of everyone's favorite characters? How much time do we have? Well, maybe let's not list every character that we like, <laughs> but maybe let's pick a couple. Um, yeah, um, I think I'm going to steal this one from you. Fits from the Farseer trilogy and actually from the Elderlings series by Robin Hobb. Because I kind of grew up with him, uh, I have started reading the series when I was a teen, and he was six at first, and then we see him grow up, and we see him make mistakes and suffer, and also have like small bits of happiness from time to time, not very often. So you kind of get attached to that character. Um... So I'm not listing all of them. I think I'm just going to leave you all uh, say a bit more before I can talk about other favorite characters, or if it's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go, I guess. Uh, one, I, I have a few that I suspect you all will talk about as well, so I'll start with one that I don't think you'll mention. Uh, so Ronan Lynch from Maggie Stiefvater's <laughs> The Raven Cycle. Uh, I know it's one of Sarah's favorite series. Oh, shut uh, up. So sorry to steal this from you. But I, I don't know. I like him. It's kind of hard to pin down exactly why. He's kind of like this little cuddly ball of rage and anger, uh, <laughs> which for some reason really strikes a chord with me. I'm not sure why. Um, I also really like kind of how he journeys from that to, I guess, something a little more complex and the relationships he develops with the other characters in the series. Uh, so for someone who like has these walls around him, he kind of opens up a lot as the books go on. Yeah, that won't make me consider continuing the series. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, uh, that's a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I also have a pretty obvious answer, which is uh, that I really love Terry Pratchett's Discworld. And I think the way that he does characters is just really good. Everybody has these quirks and like little characteristics, which make them seem kind of very much like people you could imagine knowing, but also kind of very much, you know, exaggerated, larger than life, the sort of thing where um, it's not, you know, some of the characters that pop up, uh, like cut my own throat, uh, Diplorant, like there's no way that you can, you know, this person really exists, but at the same time, <laughs> there's these characteristics of him, which you can really imagine seeing in a lot of different people. And I just really, really appreciate how he does those, uh, how he does characters. Um, I think that what I really like also is how he just kind of plays, yeah, like how he plays with stereotypes, I guess, you know, these stereotypes that exist, but fleshing them out or poking fun at them and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I guess my very, very favorite of his is his brother from from Small Gods. I just really like him. <laughs> I just really love how he goes from the from like a naive, completely blank slate to a really wise guy. Yeah, so I guess that's where I'd go. But yeah, for me it's I know Sarah's already said about Fitz, <laughs> but it has to be Fitz. He's just my lovable idiot to consistently fails at everything until he doesn't. I love that. <laughs> um, I'm going to actually, from other favourite characters, I'm going to get outside of novels for a sec and say Bojack Horseman from the TV show Bojack Horseman. He's just, again, flawed, very flawed, detestable, honestly. But I find it really well done how that TV show can make such a horrendous, I was going to say human being, but Horse being <laughs> such a horrendous person feel like relatable just by giving him like relatable characteristics and anxieties and stuff like that. Yeah, well that's kind of a natural segue onto what qualities actually make a character a favorite because there are some characters that 
I would have like on a list of favorite characters who uh, I kind of feel embarrassed to admit it because I'm like, well, these are actually kind of terrible people. Um, but I mean, sometimes like it's very clear cut as well. And they're just like adorable. So what makes us love a character? I think I'm uh, like you. I'm between those two extremes, uh, either cinnamon rolls who are just adorable, who are sweet and relatable and a bit messy, but still, you know, they are good or assholes. <laughs> I don't have them <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> I just don't. Um, uh, in Holy Black's The Cruel Prince, uh, the main character who's Jude, um, well, she's a human who has been kind of kidnapped uh, into the fairy world and she has like years of trauma to contend with and uh, the prince, a prince of fairy is bullying her and she ends up being this massive like power player who is also a complete asshole. At first you're rooting for her and you're going, oh, um, the fairy prince is mean and then you, you're just scared for the fairy prince because she's scary. And I love that. Um, another female asshole character who I love is Galaxy Stern from Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Uh, <laughs> Galaxy, who goes by Alex, um, starts as this, you know, shy, well, not shy, but prudent, careful person. Uh, in in Yale, uh, she, she has like, uh, a role in the secret societies uh, in Yale and due to the fact that her past is a bit checkered and she has like so many things that have gone wrong in her life in the past she's taking things carefully and then at what point and at one point she uh, loses all her fucks and she starts being this absolute danger and just like with the cruel prince uh with ninth house i started by fearing for alex and then i i continued fearing f fearing her because she's scary as fuck and i love that so yeah uh and uh on the side of cinnamon rolls who are just too precious um i think i'm gonna go with the characters in the house in the cerulean sea by tj clan um linus baker who is the main character who is just like this bureaucrat uh careful about uh, the laws and about doing the right thing and uh, he is supposed to be overseeing um like magic orphanages but he he's sent to this weird, super weird orphanage with even weirder children. And then he falls in love with the uh, headmaster, Arthur. And they're both so nice and fundamentally good. And it's sweet. <laughs> so that's the two extremes. Either like complete assholes or just sweethearts. <laughs> what about you, Jenya? What kind of character, like archetype do you like? Yeah, I also think that sometimes assholes are actually just a lot of fun to root for. And I just like characters with a strong personality. And I don't really mind if they're the worst. Um, I mean, I really like nice ones as well, for example. Actually, I guess he doesn't have a strong personality at first, but he does develop later on, which is uh, Julius from the Heartstriker series by Rachel Aaron. So he starts off as a complete whip, but over... The course of the series, he really like starts sticking to his ideals, and maybe you can disagree with his ideals of extreme pacifism, but you know he sticks to them, and that just makes him really, really likable, and I really enjoy that. Um, but it's also cool if they're kind of assholes. That's fine with me. I just don't like it when they have no no direction. I know it's kind of realistic, but. You know, a lot of people don't have that much direction in life at certain points of time, but I just don't like it. But to be fair, I usually see that in Litvik, where it's, you know, this person who's just kind of sad about the world. But that stuff just just does my head in. But um, luckily in fantasy, they, they always have some kind of goal. And so it's funner to read about, in my opinion. Yeah, honestly, I don't think there's any one archetype that I like any more than any others, like... I know it's like they kind of cop out to say as long as it's well done, 
and you know what is well done is completely subjective but i don't know man i like characters from such a wide range that i can't really tie it down like there's all these things that people say need to make a good character you know it needs to have you know they need to have agency they need to have complexity they need to have a certain aesthetic need to be likable but i love characters that have almost none of them like they check no boxes on the good character spreadsheet (laughs) like what like who I don't know, like, take, for example, the kind of agency thing, right? Your characters need to have a certain agency. Well, look at, say, Ewan from the Bone Ships or Thomas Senlin at the beginning of the Books of Babel. Fair enough, they gain agency at some point, but I don't necessarily think that a reactive character is a bad character. But I would say that Thomas Senlin, he has a goal, right? So it's not like, you know, he needs to find his wife. And... Yeah, he kind of reacts everything around him, but he still has the the drive, right? Yeah, but is agency the same discussion as motivation? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, then I agree with you that it's okay if they don't have agency <laughs> for me. I find it hard because I mean it's completely relatable to to follow characters who are aimless and don't necessarily have agency. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to um, connect with them somehow. I can't think of an example, but I always prefer, like, to some extent, assertive characters. Even if they are nice, I need them to take things in hand to a certain extent. Because drifting through things isn't very... Like, doesn't make for a very enjoyable plot for me. I mean, I said that uh, I have been said before that Fitz is my favorite character, but he's, he's a pro in drifting through things and being a victim. But still. <laughs> yeah, I know how we said not just ticking off boxes in a spreadsheet or something, but I feel like there are at least certain things that I have to have to like really like a character. So one thing is I feel like they kind of have to grow significantly. If they're just super static and we only see them at like one snapshot in their lives, I'm probably not going to love them. They might be like a really flavorful side character if they have like a personality or voice that just like pops off the page. Uh, But they're probably not going to make it onto like a list of favorite characters for me. Um, And I also have to understand them somewhat, even if I don't like them. So I know there's are some like... I. Hesitate to call them like anti-heroes because I'd say they're not really heroes at all. Like say Kennet from Robin Hobb's Live Ship Traders series. Absolutely a horrible, despicable piece of human trash, but he's incredibly charismatic and I understand kind of like why he is the way he is. So I appreciate him as a character, even if like I hate him. And then for me, a big thing is personality will always win over like badassery to put like a technical point on it because I really don't care if the character is like, oh, the son of this ancient hero with a magical bloodline and they can do the special magical thing that no one else in this world can do. That doesn't make a good character, okay? That that can be like a cool thing to have and it can be added on to a really good character, but that alone does not make a character good. I have to like care more about like what are their like quirks, their flaws, their drives, their passions, their personality. Uh, so maybe that's just me and I'm projecting, but I think that those things make a character stronger. No, I, I think, I think that makes sense. Um, I think that for me, I like the, uh, really just, just playing badass character more in visual media, the same way that I like, uh, action scenes more in visual media. So I'm perfectly content to, um, watch a, an anime where, you know, the main character is just cool and there's not much about him, not much special about him, but he looks cool. The animation looks cool and it's just, yay, he fights, (laughs) but, um, he or she, uh, or they, but in a book, I need something else. I guess I'm just not a very, um, when I read, I don't picture things that well. (laughs) So the fact that they are a very cool character is kind of not so important to me if I cannot actually see the wow pretty animation or pretty action sequence yeah don't make me do the work of making the character cool by having to visualize something (laughs) awesome right like make the character good on your own sometimes it works or it works for me because um, on paper a character like Kaz from Six of Crows would be just ridiculous he's just 
this kid who is a complete badass, who is good at fighting and who is fearless. And yeah, in theory, I shouldn't be into that, but I am because Lee Bardugo did a great job giving him depth. So, like, plain badassery is a no for me, too. But if you, ha if you, as an author, do the work to give your characters, your badass characters, like, uh, well, not necessarily a tragic backstory, but, I mean, some depth, <laughs> it, it works. Or at least for me. I think it does depend on, you know, context. Like, there's a lot of kind of, like, badass characters out there who it depends on, you know, the aesthetic of the story. Like, say, Captain Marvel or Tau from Rage of Dragons or Mila from the Nevernight Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Like, they're all, like, these ridiculous, overpowered characters, but they've all got, you know... They make sense in the context of the story. They've all got something to fight for. They've got a reason that they are fighting. Yeah, and I, I should clarify if I didn't make this clear. Like, there's nothing wrong with badass characters. Like, some of my favorite characters are, like, hardcore badasses. But, like, it's not enough by itself, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so, another point I do want to mention is just what the fuck does character-driven even mean? right? Because I see this term tossed around a lot. And I mean, I'll, I'll see it attached to series that I feel like are incredibly plot driven. And so I kind of don't understand from that perspective. And then I see it to other ones where I feel like the characters are really flat. So I'm not really sure what it means. And I'm going to pass that question on to y'all. <laughs> I think it depends whether the plot happens to the characters or the characters make the plot happen. So that's how I imagine it. Uh, what was I? What it translates to in my mind, but I couldn't really give you an example. Like, okay, maybe I could give you one. Uh, Malazan, the first book that I have never finished, um, but still I haven't finished it because it felt like characters were receiving the plot and reacting to it. And they didn't really make it, like they didn't create the plot by themselves. Uh, am I going to have a horde of Malazan fans like trashing me somewhere? Because I feel like I'm, I am going to have that. It's okay. We'll defend you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Oh, my hero. Uh, but yeah, I, I've read sixty percent of the first book, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but. It's the first real example of plot-driven book I can remember. Like, things are happening and characters are just there, like, receiving and reacting and being, like, going through the motions a bit. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Um, and character-driven for me is, like, <laughs> a compliment. So whenever I, I like a book and the characters are what, like strikes me the most about the book i say that it's character driven even if it doesn't mean anything so i'm part of the problem i'm sorry travis well no i think it just means different things to different people which yeah. i mean that's basically everything right uh, <laughs> so i mean i don't think that's a bad thing that's very diplomatic of you <laughs> i guess for me character driven is when the biggest part of the story is just watching the character grow so I kind of, I guess I associated more with Litvik, actually. But, uh, for example, something like Cersei by Madeline Miller, for me, is just, it's a completely character-driven story because there's not really any plot. Um, there's maybe a little bit of plot near the end, but it's mostly just about the exploration of one character and how she develops and sees the world, that sort of thing. Um, I... In my opinion, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that book. We've already talked about that. But at the same time, this is kind of the main idea behind it. Um, and I don't know if I think of that many books, which are sci-fi fantasy, which are character-driven for me. Um, maybe something like uh, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet? Oh, so for you, it means that the time given to the characters to like shine and grow and make mistakes and just be is uh more important and more like like the time is uh like 
Ah, uh, <laughs> there is more time given to the characters than the plots in the book, right? Yeah. See it. Okay. Yeah, like there's not much action of any kind going on. The, the the goal of the book, let's let's put it like that. The goal of the book for being a character driven book is to explore a certain type of character, um, certain types of character. Um, and that's like the main goal of it. Um, and the way that it entertains you or teaches you or whatever it is, is through that and not via plot or, or theme, which for me are then like plot driven books or theme driven books, I guess. Okay. Yeah, for me, I've always kind of understood character driven, like the term, to mean like there's a very tight marriage between the character aspects of the book and the plot aspects, if that makes sense. Like there were these kind of big epic fantasies like Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, etc., where the plot is a little bit divorced from the character. It's like an external threat. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there were the books that I would classify as character-driven where, you know, the conflict is like so tied into the character that you can't really separate them to. Like you can't th- think of the plot without thinking of the character and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Would would something like Send in a Sense um, be a character-driven book for you then? Because it's kind of so closely tied to him growing. I think so, yeah, because it's the kind of weird way of thinking it, but it's Sendlin's story, isn't it? And the people he meets, but it's not like some massive story about the tower and, oh, I mean, not yet, but, <laughs> you know, it's not like some epic tale. It's very like, focused and intimate and focuses on their experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sendlin for me is between the it's a bit in the border between plot driven and character driven. I can feel a bit of distance with the characters when I read it. But I think I, I'm not sure why, because um, Josiah Bancroft gives like a lot of care to his character creation and growth. But I don't know. Uh, and it's not a bad thing, it's just compared to other books. I feel like there is a gap between the story and like the the way I'm uh, I'm reading the story and the characters that are living it. Uh, I'm not sure how to explain it, but maybe it's the prose. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I think that's an important point though, because there's not really a clear distinction between characters and like the other aspects of a book. Because if say like the prose obscures your view into the characters then is that really a character fault is that a prose fault is it a mixture of both like mm. i don't really know yeah is it a fault though or is it just you know kind of something like that the happens, way the author yeah. is telling yeah. the story yeah well i think it's just the way that it's sold because there's absolutely nothing wrong with Stella in a sense and its sequels there's but nothing wrong with it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it very good go read it but um uh, it's one of those very rare books that I don't read for the characters, which like almost never happens to me. Like I read it because of the plot, and when I say that, it's well, <laughs> I'm watching it for the plot. I'm reading it for the plot <laughs> <laughs> and for the incredible prose. But I don't have that like proximity or attachments to characters like I would have with a favorite book. And it is a favorite book, but I think it's one of those very rare exceptions for me. Does that tie into, you know, perspective and point of view, though? Like, if intimacy is kind of like a big thing for your kind of appreciation of characters, like a first-person book gives you a much more intimate view into a certain character's head compared to like a third-person narration. For me, yes. Uh, and this is why I prefer first-person POV. It's not that I don't like third-person, but... I find it easier to just understand the perspective and to get into the character's head when like they are narrating what happens to them. Uh, so yeah, it definitely it's a good point. It definitely, it definitely links to it for me. Uh, third person always gives a bit of a distance, and sometimes it's good because like some with some characters you just don't want to be in their head but um but for me always easier to start a book from a first person pov i feel like the first person third person thing is something a lot of people comment on but i just i must zone out completely or something i've never like it's really interesting for me to hear you say that because i've just never 
really, when I read a book, I guess I don't really think about whether it's in first person or third person. Um, somehow it's the same for me. <laughs> as long as it's, you know, third person, not um, omni, but third person not centered on one character. Um, I don't know if that's something that I should work on or something. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I've noticed it pretty recently because I was wondering why why am I like into some books immediately? And there are a lot of reasons. But when I started noticing that I I can get caught with the book immediately if it's first person, it means something. It means that I I find it easier to get into the story from the the eyes of the main character or the character narrating. And it's for me it's something that makes a difference. Um, but I, I guess I understand because sometimes it's not something like noticeable for other people, but for me, it's definitely a criteria to get right into the story. Yeah. And for me, like the first person, third person thing, like one, I guess I don't really differentiate between like a really close limited third person and first person because you're still kind of getting the thoughts in their head. You're tied to that one character and everything. So it's more of like the vehicle that we see the character rather than making me care more about the character itself, which I can't really separate the two anyways, so I don't really know what I'm talking about here. Um, (laughs) But I had a point, and I don't know what that point was. But I guess, yeah, broadly speaking over character-driven, I think I agree with what all of you are saying. Obviously, I need, like, the viewpoint character to fundamentally drive the plot outside of even just the character growth. Like I hate when there's a story when people are like, oh no, it's not just the plot moving along. The characters drove the entire thing because villain who you didn't realize was a villain or even a character until 80% was behind the plot all along. I'm like, okay, yeah, but that's not character driven really. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, kind of like, again, like me speaking without being anywhere near as knowledgeable as anyone else on this podcast episode about romance. It's kind of the thing where like the character arc has to be as important as the story arc, kind of like the romance has to be as important or more important than whatever plot is going on Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And I will say that like all of my comments about character driven, it has to apply to multiple characters rather than just like the single main character. Because if there's just one character I care about in a story, I can't really call that character driven even if it's like the best character that was ever charactered (laughs) when you say knowledgeable about romance in this podcast you mean you right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes uh all of the scottish highland romances oh can we say that i've just eliminated one from spiffball Um, is it important for you guys if the character is relatable to you um, or is it not important or would you rather that they were not relatable to you? It's not really too important for me, but I've noticed that a lot of my favorite characters I do relate to pretty hard, specifically with their flaws and stuff. It's not necessary for me to like a character, but it will probably make me like them a lot more. I think it kind of depends on what you mean by relatable because on the one hand, I don't really understand that because I feel like every character I'm reading, as long as like the book is written well and the character is written well, that I'm relating to them, even if none of their life experiences are anything remotely like what I've seen. Uh, Cause I'm kind of like stuck in their head by the author and I'm seeing things through their eyes. So like I have to relate to them, whether I have anything to relate to from my own experience, but also like there is something extra. I feel like, Oh, like, this character is going through depression or this character like is lonely or something. And I'm like, okay, I can identify with those aspects really hard as well. For me, it's just like you said, uh, it's extra points if I can relate to them, Um, but it's not necessary. And I think asking to relate uh, with the character in SFF is a bit much because they live through things that we can't really understand and that we will hopefully never understand well except for the magic magic is cool but the whole war things and yeah no no i i I don't want to relate to that but yeah it's extra points if in in uh in the dive about trilogy by shannon chakraborty the fact that the some of the characters were Muslim. Well, I'm I'm not anymore, but I am from Muslim culture. 
And there are some small things that I related to from the point of view of Ali. And it made me feel so good for some reason. Because <laughs> it's, it's not like uh, Islam is a part of me, not my identity, but it was growing up. And the fact that there are those throwaway comments about prayer, about Islamic culture, it made me feel good. I don't know. It, it just, I felt like I understood him as a character, even if I couldn't relate to his beliefs anymore. So I think it's always a bonus thing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that where um, it's nice when they have something which is kind of like you. I think I, I like it when they have um, some kind of traits maybe like me but at the same time I don't want them to be too close to me actually it's really <laughs> yeah. like it when it's somebody very different because for me every time it's I don't know some bookish person or whatever I just keep thinking like oh my god this person all of the bad things about them are the bad things about me and I just don't wanna <laughs> oh my god it just makes me feel really uncomfortable seeing that from <laughs> perspective of like oh my god this fucking loud loud nerdy girl or guy or whatever doing shit oh <laughs> so yeah i like them to be kind of relatable in some way um like the culture thing i think it's really cool um when i see somebody who i don't know comes from a slavic background but at the same time personality wise i want them to be something very different <laughs> and i think i think for me uh, like part of reading the fun of reading is also to get into the head of someone completely different right so somebody uh like borrowed from the the, the trader borrow cormorant it's just the thing she's going through the way she looks at the world everything is just so different that it's like okay put me in that head for for a couple books and let's see what happens <laughs> so i really like that sort of thing they can tie into that too, like, like someone said earlier, it's, you know, fantasy. So they've got these characters of ridiculous, magical situations that we shouldn't really be able to relate to. But there's, like, in some quarters, relatability has become a wee bit of a kind of racist dog whistle, which I find mm, yeah. a bit unfortunate. Mm, yeah. And I don't understand how you can relate to, you know, an anthropomorphic dragon and not a person of colour, but there we go. Yeah, uh, it's it's becoming that. Well, well uh, relatability is a bit of a racist dog whistle in some circles, and likability is a sexist dog whistle in other circles. Well, some yeah. of the circles like are like, in Venn diagrams, they're like one circle. But <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, like it's you are accepting that a character would go through weird ass shit. But the fact that they're eating food that you haven't eaten while, like you haven't, like you don't know that food very well, you haven't eaten it. They are speaking, like they, ha they have a culture that is different. They are like, they look different and you can relate to that. It's weird. Like, why? Yeah, it's like, do you remember that whole debate about when the Thor movies came out? when, you know, Heimdall was played by Idris Elba. Yeah. There was a whole thing that people had an issue that he was black, but not that he wielded some magic staff that could transport people through fucking dimensions, because that's not believable. Well, yeah, and they said that that part wasn't respectful or wasn't, like, coherent with the whole North mythology thing. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. Being part of the Avengers is perfectly normal. <laughs> And <laughs> but having a black guy. I remember that part in Norse epics. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! I gotta say, I just read a nonfiction book called Children of Ash and Elf by Neil Price, which is all about uh, Vikings. It's the history of the Vikings, and he does have like you know a lot of points about how um, obviously they were not only white because they were traveling everywhere and um, things like that. So. Just plug in there that you should totally read it. It's very good. He talks about, um, you know, race with the Vikings and also about, like, uh, genderqueer people and stuff like that. So just small interrupts. Please continue. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Um, yeah, and as I said, it's the same about likability. It's such a weird thing. There was a thread on Twitter about do you need a character to be likable? And the thing is... Likeable for me means a lot of things. So I said, yes, they need to be likable. 
but they can be complete assholes and I would like them. So <laughs> it's very vague as a as like an adjective for characters. What does it even mean? What does it mean for you? Likeable. Yeah, uh, I remember that thread because <laughs> it was me. Call <laughs> <laughs> yeah. out on your own show. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, well, I'm not calling you out. Uh, it's just a very good question. But it for me doesn't mean a lot because I can like different characters for different reasons. I can like a character because they're uh, like dangerous and snarky and bitchy. And I can like characters because they're sweet and they're nice and they're doing good for the sake of doing good. Uh, so... For me, likability doesn't mean uh, in being inherently good or doing the right thing. It just means that I connect with them in some way. They, they, they feel some parts of my craving at the moment. If I'm craving assholes, oh, no. Uh, scrub that, please, Travis. No, no, we're keeping that. That's a new soundbite. Oh, uh, no. If I'm craving a character who is a jerk, um, that's the right expression. <laughs> uh, then I find them likable in a way. And if I'm just going for someone who is nice and good, then I find them likable too. For me, likability doesn't mean much. I think in that thread, I think it was Taddy Thompson that kind of cut to the heart of it for me. I don't know if he likes being name dropped, but I found this was kind of really interesting was that a character doesn't need to be likable. They need to be interesting and engaging. And the base level for likability is empathy. They need to inspire some form of empathy from the reader. And I think for me that kind of cuts to, you know, the heart of the whole thing where if you've got a boring character who doesn't inspire any sort of empathy from you and doesn't interest you, then are you going to read about them? Man, that's a really nice way to put it. No wonder he's an author. <laughs> Just coming through all our faffling about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but boring characters can be good too. I mean, it depends no. what kind of boring for me the boring characters it's really it's really not something i see that much in 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 fantasy but like i don't know there's this book which is really popular recently of litvik called weather and it's just about this character who is just thinking about climate change and the whole book is just her thinking about climate change and she's the most annoying boring person in the world is she has no agency she has nothing she's just thinking about climate change and how sad it'll be and and, and there's no, <laughs> no thought about changing or just a thought about like escaping into nature with her family except she doesn't know how to you know build a fire or anything so whatever but she just reads buzzfeed articles about it that's what i mean by a boring character where it's like yes a lot of people are like this most of us are like this i'm sure that that's more or less my reaction to climate change or whatever but it's not fun to read a book about it's not interesting to read a book about it's the person down the street so that for me is a boring character well i mean there's a big difference between a character who is like sort of objectively has boring traits and a character who bores you to read because like i'm okay with the first one but i'm not okay with being bored while i'm reading yeah, yeah. I think, Jenya, to come back to what you were saying, I think boring characters in Litvik are completely different from boring characters in SFF. All right, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> a boring character in fantasy just doesn't have magic when everyone else does. A boring character in Litvik is, you know, working as a dishwasher. <laughs> okay, sorry, the last, the last like 10 books I read were not fantasy, and most of them were non-fiction, so this is a bad time for me to... <laughs> To add to, to add anything here. <laughs> to, to come back to the house of in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klon. Uh yeah, the main character is boring. Objectively, he is boring. He is he he's he doesn't have any hobbies. He he's just like he follows the rules. He is like this he's a bureaucrat, so he's necessarily boring. Uh, sorry if any bureaucrats are listening to this, but yeah, <laughs> I think I hope you guys have a hobby. But he, he, he is good. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> he is good. He, like he's he's fun to read about because he provides a foil 
um, against all the shenanigans that happen around him. And his reactions are fun, and he, he has like this margin to grow and become someone else. So I think being born in SFF is kind of not a like as Travis said, being bored while reading about them is completely different for from like having them being having the these boring characteristics. Because yeah, I'm definitely okay with boring characters, except Julius. His name was Julius. No, what was his name? Harsh Strikers. Oh my god, no, he was way too boring for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Fight, fight, fight. Julius <laughs> is a sweetheart. <laughs> He's yeah. the best. Look, I love sweethearts. They are like Laszlo Strange from uh, Strange the Dreamer by Lini. Lini, Lini, Lini. Shit. <laughs> What's her name? <laughs> Lenny Taylor, yeah, 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 like, he is sweet, like, sugar sweet, like, super sweet and nice and a bit boring in the scholar uh, kind of way. Uh, yeah, you're not boring, Jenya, even if you are a scholar, so I'm not insulting you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> sorry, it's everyone, bureaucrats, scholars. <laughs> Everybody's boring. Um, but, like, Julius is just... I don't know. Laszlo is nice and sweet and like has these these nerdy interests, but something clicked with him. With Julius, is just uh, uh, I think it's the whining mostly. <laughs> he does whine quite a quite a bit. Okay, well, moving on from characters, one last thing that I want to talk about is more broadly speaking, what writers do we feel like consistently deliver great characters? Uh, yeah. Robin Hobb, <laughs> and she's the queen of character writing. From the more recent-ish uh, authors, I'm going to go with Fonda Lee, because Fonda Lee, she managed in one book to make me way, way too much like involved and uh, into her uh, characters. And Almost that's Jade City? Jade City, yeah, sorry. The, like she has this story about um, siblings who are part of a clan and every single one of them is interesting and like nice to read about and it's one of those times where whenever there is a switch in points of view uh, chapters I don't mind because I'm okay with either of them with any of them I mean well, I hope it's not either. I hope we're not going to end the series with only two surviving. But um, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not really reassured about that. Um, who else? Uh, Shannon Chakraborty. She does have this uh, quality of writing really interesting characters. Um, but it like when you say consistently, it has to be like does it have to be authors who are well established or because no, just an author that if you see a book with their name on it, you're like okay, there's probably going to be some good characters. Yeah, yeah, those three are for now my favorites. I guess a couple I'll mention. Uh, recently, more so for me, I've been on a kick of reading Libba Bray's books. So uh, she has a series called The Diviners, and I feel like every single character in there is just phenomenal. They're incredibly diverse in basically every way you can be, uh, not even just like in terms of uh, physical traits or cultural traits, but just like personalities and what they want out of life and their goals and their dreams. And then also I would say uh, K.S. Filioso, uh, especially with her Chronicles of the Bitch Queen series. Uh, because if, in addition to writing great characters, I feel like uh, it's a very strong example of a story that is very influenced by the eyes of the character telling it. So like you assume certain things about the world are one way, but they're not. And that's based on who the narrator of the story is. Um, and so I think that's another aspect of characterization that we haven't really touched on in this episode. Yeah, I'd find it hard, to be honest, to just think of an awful that we are go okay they have great characters because i'm still having a bit of an existential crisis and what a great character actually <laughs> is like i know we've sat and talked about this but earlier you know the things like 
we haven't talked much about like, you know, like character voice. You get some books where the voice of the character really comes through, like particularly like uh, first person books. And I don't know, man. There's books like R.J. Barker's books, like the Bone Chips and the Windy Kingdom series. I love the characters in there. I love how charismatic the characters are in Joe Abercrombie's books. I love how you know wounded but still powerful the characters feel in N.K. Jemison's books. I don't know, man. There's too many variables from zero one. I guess for me, the gold standard is still Terry Pratchett. So I already talked about him. Um, I guess that's who I always think of when I think about characters like that. All right. Well, any final closing thoughts? Nothing. We've officially covered everything about characters that can be discussed. Absolutely not. I mean, I haven't mentioned The Last Sun even once. How can we be <laughs> over? <laughs> I, I still think this is one of the things that's like crazily subjective. Like, yeah. who loves a character? What makes a character? What makes you love a character? Like, there's sometimes I hear people say, oh, I love this book. The characters were so great, so interesting. And I'm thinking, I've read it and where are they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want to give a final shout out to Saad Hussain. Uh, so his uh, stuff, like, for example, Escape from Baghdad or uh, Jin City, stuff like that. Um, I just think he writes these really crazy plots. Oh, the the Gorka and the Lord of Tuesday. That's the novella I was thinking of. Um, he writes these really crazy plots and he writes these really crazy characters. So everybody should check him out because if you want to read something that's fun and really exciting, I think his thing i don't think they're relatable as such but they're you know they go the insane route in a really good way yeah about shout outs that aren't uh, the last son i wanted to talk about aj lancaster and her series sariel um which is basically downtown abbey uh with a hint of the cruel prince and i think like her characters aren't expected. Like she has this um, badass female character as a main lead, and you'd expect her to be like a rebel, like to, because she flew from her ancestral home when she was a teenager, and when she came back, she you works you expect her to like be this um, like screw everyone i'm i'm going through my own path kind of person but she isn't she takes responsibility and she has like a completely like she's mature in a way and you don't expect that in this kind of books and there's a fairy prince who is like super nice and you're expecting him to be this asshole but he's not and she like she plays with character archetypes a lot and i love that so the series is called serial and uh the first book is called the lord of serial and check it out it's so good okay on that note i guess it's time to turn the question to our audience who are some of your favorite characters in speculative fiction? And what separates a great character from an average one? Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter or in our Discord server. And as always, you can find us online at thefantasyin.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as The Fantasy Inn. And if you'd like to chat books with us and random nonsense all the time, uh, we'd love to have you in our Discord server. And I think that's a wrap. That's all for this week. Until next time. How the fuck can you do that in one take? <laughs> I love it when the, I can really hear the music played over over Trav talking. <laughs> oh shit, we're still recording.